Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Sixer Sense Podcast, hosted by co-site experts Lucas Johnson and Christopher Klein. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of our podcast. I'm Lucas, i got Chris and Uri here, and we also have a regular coming back, Jonathan Guy of our website. Yet again, Jonathan, welcome back. Glad to have you on right before the playoffs. Thanks, I appreciate it. It's going well. Really excited for the playoffs to get started. We, we are recording right now as Atlanta is wiping the floor with the Charlotte Hornets, and then we'll get into the san antonio pelicans game during the podcast too which i have on mute while watching while doing the podcast because i'm interested but we're not talking about them those teams today obviously we're tonight we're going to be talking about the sixers right chris yeah so obviously the sixers are the four seed in the east this year they will be facing the five seed toronto raptors in the first round Toronto won that season series 3-1, to one, though there were some injuries, especially on Toronto's side, that kind of muddied the waters there. Jonathan, when you look at this matchup, specifically, let's start with the backcourt. What are some some matchups that you're looking at player to player? So for the backcourt, I'm looking at Maxi and Van Vliet because both of them are offensive scoring-minded guards that can kind of get buckets whenever they want. But I want to see if either of them can slow the other down just a little bit because that could be a game changer. I mean, just stopping one or the other from going off and putting up big points like they can. Uh, I, I want to see the defensive matchup between Maxi and Van Vliet. That's a fair take. Um, and they might match up defensively. That's not who I, I – uh, in my head I had a Gary Trent Jr. going against Maxi, but – Van Vliet is more than capable defender to do it as well. The matchup that I'm looking at is on the offensive side between these two guys, and it's going to be Van Vliet and James Harden. Because Van Vliet's coming off an injury. He might not be he might be a little rusty going into this series. He only played like one or two games prior to the end of the regular season. And then you have James Harden, who we all know is not acting like James Harden. And according to ESPN, he has the most pressure of anybody in the postseason, and I don't think that's a far reach either. Um, I don't think they're going to match up defensively. I, From what I remember from the last game, I think Scotty Barnes primarily guarded Harden, and I expect that to happen again. I would expect either Maxie or Danny Green to get Van Vliet, but probably Maxie, like you said, Jonathan. So I'm I'm interested in the point guard battle there. Yeah, um, I, I think obviously this is going to be a tricky series for Harden because Toronto has a bunch of really talented defenders. Harden just doesn't have the legs to beat a lot of these guys off the dribble, so I'm interested to see how he fares in general. Um, I, I like the Maxi Van Vliet point that you made, John. I I mean, obviously Van Vliet's like a really high-level defender in his own right. I, I don't think Maxi is. Um well, so, hold on. Well, Maxi has made a lot of strides this season. Let's yeah, Maxie. Maxie's he tries hard. I'll I'll give him that. But but like Van Vliet's a re, like borderline all defense candidate kind of guy. And that's Fair enough. What Maxi is. Um, like I I think Toronto's gonna hunt Maxi on switches quite a bit. They're gonna make him work. If he's not disciplined, they're gonna make him. You know, they could take advantage of that. I I don't think the Sixers can do the same thing with Van Vliet. Um. 
But offensively, you're right. It's Van Vliet and Harden. If Harden can put up the kind of numbers that Van Vliet is capable of, and he's putting in 20 and 10 a night, and he's looking consistent with his shots from the perimeter, that's going to go a long way towards Philly winning the series. If Harden's shooting 3 of 12 from the field every night, and he's just not getting by anyone, and the ball's sticking whenever he touches it, then Philly might be screwed. So... Offensively, I think Harden and, and Van Vliet is where everyone's looking. Not, I, I think Gary Trent's probably the guy, Lucas, who's going to end up guarding Maxi just so you know you can conserve Van Vliet's energy for the offensive end. Not that Van yeah. If I'm Van, if I if I'm Nick Nurse, I put if I I would put Scotty Barnes on Harden, Gary Trent on on Maxi, and then I would put uh, Scotty Barnes. Did I say Scotty Barnes already on Harden? Yeah. And then I would put Van Vliet on Danny Green, yeah. which, by the way, Chris, I championed for you in the fact that I, I, you know, in the last podcast, I said Danny Green needs to stay the starter. I'm, I'm with you on that now, Chris. I'm, I'm all in on that. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, I, especially with the fact, like, if you're not gonna have Thibel for games three and four, just for of time, course, you, you need to do it. Um. But let's go to the front court, John. You first. What matchups in the front court stand out to you? I mean, it's I'm looking at how they're going to defend Embiid, really, and I think it's more like how Nick Nurse is going to make adjustments here. So, I mean, they'll go at him with Kem Birch, Achua, Siakam, or Committee, anyone you want to say. But I think that I'm interested to see how they're going to double, triple if they'll leave some of the guards open. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm looking for at first. I think there will be a lot of in-game adjustments. There'll be points where they let Embiid kind of go at it, uh, one-on-one and guard the shooters if they're hot. But, um, yeah, I just want to see how, how, uh, they plan to deal with him. Cause they really have no one who can match up any way realistically with Embiid. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I, in my article, I wrote like three key matchups for, uh, the series in an article today. And Siakam and Joel is one of them because when all five of their star players are healthy, Toronto has Siakam playing the five. I don't see Chua and I don't see Ken Birch starting just for size purposes. Nick Nurse doesn't do that. He gets his five best players on the court. And Siakam, now he's five. No, not five, eight. Sorry, I'm five, nine. Um He's like five, six, nine, six, eight. So he's undersized, and he's not the strongest guy either. So he's going to get bullied one-on-one. They're never going to put one-on-one with Siakam on there. But they're going to double and triple team. Joel said in the past that Toronto is his least favorite matchup because of the way that they attack him in double and triple teams. I would also say offense. on the other flip side, Joel's going to end up guarding Siakam. Uh, that's the only way that they're going to slow him down because you can put Tobias on a center and you can live with that because Achua and Birch are not going to make you pay for it. So you have to put Tobias on if they play center alongside at the beginning of the game, which I doubt, but Joel has the guards Yakum. And this goes back to the 2019. I want to correct myself because last podcast, I said 2018 playoffs. It was 2019 playoffs with Toronto and, they need to have Joel on Siakam because that was the only way they slowed down Siakam in that series last time, and it's the only way they're going to slow down Siakam this time. Joel is more than capable of doing it, and slowing down Siakam is going to be key because he's you. You could argue he's their best or second best player, depends on how you feel about Van Vliet. Honestly, I think Siakam kind of got robbed of an All Star bid this year, but that's not the point. Um, he could very well get an All NBA bid, so. Yeah. That just tells you how good he is. So yeah, I, I'm more I'm we know what they're gonna do defensively. They're gonna double and triple team him. What I'm more curious is if Joel can slow down Siakam in a significant fashion because he was able to do it last time. Yeah, I, I'm with both of you there. I, I think they're obviously one benefit of having Danny over Matisse in the thirty five is you can't really double off of Danny the same way you can double off of Matisse, and that's gonna make it harder mm-hmm. for Toronto defending Embiid. Yeah, I mean, he's going to end up having to guard Siakam at certain points. It's not, like, super ideal because it's going to make Joel work really hard on the defensive end, and Siakam can stretch the floor. We know that Joel is mainly a drop coverage guy. You know, stretch fives can give him some issues every now and then. But I, I'm i going to point out the matchup where 
like OG and Anobi is going to be guarding Tobias, and frankly, he's going to like crush that matchup. I, Tobias is not going to have a good series, I don't think. Toronto has a lot of guys who are going to just get physical with Tobias and be able to handle him one-on-one. Tobias is not a great isolation scorer in general, and if he gets flustered, if he doesn't stick to his like quick trigger spot-up threes, if he you know gets gun-shy, whatever... I'm kind of worried about Tobias in this series. And then defensively, it's not a great matchup for him either, as we've seen in recent games between the two teams. So Tobias and OG and Tobias in general in this series, it's going to be tough. Like the Raptors are a very talented and versatile and well-rounded team. And OG and Anobi is like a really, really high-level wing defender. And Mm -hmm. he has more than enough strength and length to give Tobias the business on the defensive end. Then offensively, he's a really tricky player to guard. Tobias is either going to be guarding Pascal, Achua, whoever. There, there are guys that can give Tobias issues in different ways. So, um, yeah, I'm not expecting a great Tobias series, which, you know, it it is what it is. But that's going to be tough. Like, Tobias is going to have to step up if he wants to uh, really contribute to winning in this series. I wanted to jump in and go back to what Lucas said. Lucas, you were talking about Siakam and Embiid, right? That matchup? Yeah. yeah. So I have in front of me the statistics of all of the games that they've played against each other, regular season and postseason. I'll just give you the regular season. They play, uh, they've they gone head-to-head 17 times in their careers. Embiid only averages 21.3 points a game in the regular season, mm-hmm. and Siakam averages 17 Point four points. That's 17 regular season games. If I go to the playoffs, guys, this is not good. Head-to-head, and this is obviously uh, back in 2018, I think. 19. Yeah, 2019. Embiid in that series averaged less points per game, seven games, than Siakam. Embiid averaged 17.6. And No, I'm sorry. Yeah, Embiid averaged 17.6 points in that series. Siakam averaged 19.4. So I just hope history does not repeat itself. So, yeah, that, that that's certainly concerning. We do have to remember in that playoff series that Joel was hampered. Uh, he was not in the best of shape at that time. He is yeah. in the best shape right now. We do yeah. have to consider that. And he was he had a down year that year. He had yeah. a down year. Um, Joel, Joel's in better shape. He's just flat out like much better player. He also there's no Marcus all this time around. Yeah. But flip side also, Siakam was like the number two, three guy that year. Now he's maybe the number one up there with Fabian Bleat, like you said, Lucas. So mm-hmm. the circumstances are really different this year. Siakam has gotten better too since that season. So he's a much better playmaker. That's yeah. that's probably the biggest growth in his game. Five assist a game this year, guys. Um so Chris, going back to your Harris point, he he and uh Scotty Barnes were the two other matchups in my article as well. Granted, they probably won't be matching up. Like, Scotty Barnes probably won't be defending Tobias Harris that much, especially with James Harden on the floor. But Tobias Harris could very well be guarding Scotty Barnes. Now, the good news is, is that neither one of them, especially Scotty this year, has not, you know, rookie and candidate. He is probably, he is my pick for rookie of the year. I hope he gets it. But that's, you know, that would only prove my point more back at that 2021 draft. But that's not the point here. Um, he, he's special. We'll see if he can handle the moment though, because this is a big moment and this is a tough series. Some young players shrink in these series. We've seen that before. We saw this in 2019. Counterpoint though, we've yeah. seen Tobias shrink in, in many a series. In oh yes. Yeah. No, and I was <laughs> going to get to that, Chris, because this season Tobias has only averaged 12 points a game against the, uh, Raptors and, I'm pretty sure he only shot 32% from the floor in those four games. So this is not – like you said, Chris, you are absolutely right. This is – Tobias Harris really can – he's not going to be able to attack off the dribble. He's going to have to embrace that that sh- you know catch-and-shoot role if he wants to be effective, which he has been lately. He has been very good in the, on the catch-and-shoot. I think we can all agree on that. Yeah. So, so if he can do that in this series, I think there's a chance. So allow me to step in before you guys move on to the next topic. What I have in mm-hmm. front of me are the best lineups in terms of point differential for both the Toronto Raptors and the 76ers. So I'm going to give you 
the best team, the best five on the court for Toronto this season. So I have their best lineup. Scotty Barnes, Chris Boucher, Pascal Siakam, Gary Trent Jr., and Fred Van Vliet. Together, they've played 11 games in that in that combination, and they're a plus 47. That is the mm. best, plus 47. Now, Chris, for game or just total? Chris uh, Boucher, a notable Sixers total. killer. Total. Total. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Chris Boucher is not going to be an easy matchup because he he's a really good floor stretching big. And for some reason, Philly does not like to go out on him. Yeah. He, he yeah, he kills us from perimeter. Here's the Sixers best lineup. Five players. Joel Embiid, James Harden, Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey, Matisse Thibel. They've all played 20 games together. Total of 323 minutes. They are a plus 127. So that is something to look forward to. If you're like worried about, oh, Thibault's not going to be in the lineup because he can't play in Toronto. And well, so I'll, give you, I'll give you the hold up. Have you answered if that's like per a certain number of possessions or is that total? That's total. This is total. Because they played nine more games than Toronto's best lineup. So and they're double. But still, the jump, the jump is significant from 47 to 120. There's other percentages. I mean, I could I could give you three point numbers if you want. I don't want to take up too much of your time or in free throw percentage. I'm just giving you an idea of of the best five on the court for both. Oh, all teams. right. Well, give us the Danny Green numbers because um, you sounds like you were about to do that. Yeah, I'm doing it right now. So the let's see, I had it in my eyes. Uh, okay, so Joel Embiid, Danny Green, James Harden, Tobias Harris, Tyrese Maxey. It's not as high as you would think. Matter of fact, they're 12th in terms of point differential. Uh, that number, they're plus 16. And that that lineup, they play together uh, 12 times in 74 total minutes. Well, that's not encouraging. Yeah. Well, no, certainly not encouraging. Those those stats are tricky. Like, again, like the minutes and the it, it's all very situational so like like I, uh, obviously offensively Danny is a much superior player to Matisse and we've seen the Sixers look notably better on offense with Danny out there the last couple of nights granted this has been like two of Danny's best games all season I don't know if we can count on that in the playoffs but um yeah I I mean these are two pretty evenly matched teams, in my opinion. I, I don't think the Sixers are way ahead of Toronto with how they've played this season. So I'm expecting a close series. One other thing sure. that, that, that'll that stand out, the same lineup, the top lineup for Toronto, their free throws in 11 games together, they're like a plus two. And I know Chris is right. The Sixers' top lineup played nine more games. But anyway, they're plus 35. So they, they we know they get to the line. I want to talk about team strategies here, particularly regarding the head coaches. So, Jonathan, I'll go to you first. What do we think Doc Rivers will focus on mostly in this series? Well, I don't know necessarily what he will focus on, but he needs to focus on his in-game adjustments. And if he needs that slowed down a little bit for him, that's how he reacts to what is going right and what isn't going right in the game. So he clearly hasn't done that. And, I mean, most notably, I thought was – Recently, when the Bucks came to town and Giannis just went off in the fourth quarter and he continued to let Embiid sit on the bench for too long. Um, I think Doc is incredibly predictable, like too, like so rigid with the minutes that it's easy for other teams to game plan. And he needs to be a little more flexible with that going into the playoffs. Um, I mean, even just thinking back to like last year, what kind of haunts me is like how he imme- or how he started out with Danny Green on Trey Young, just as much as we all hate Ben Simmons, we know his talent and his skill set is defense. And to just initially go with Danny Green and not change it soon enough, I just think that Doc gets kind of stuck in his ways and he needs to read the game better and change quarter to quarter, make some adjustments at half. Um, so I hope he can do that. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, in-game adjustments are the have been like Doc's Achilles heel for, for a while now. Obviously, Toronto is a very physical team they're going to attack the glass and they get out and run a lot they force a lot of turnovers they're a really good transition team as we know the Sixers transition defense is um 
pretty much the worst thing I've ever seen. So that needs to be better. They need to work on being connected and communicating defensively in transition and in the half court. Like the Sixers just aren't very connected on defense right now. At least it just hasn't been the case since the Harden trade. That's not Harden's fault. He's been playing some pretty solid defense relative to what we expect out of him. But like, they're just not connected on that side of the ball. And Joel can only do so much. You're not going to have Matisse for potentially two, three games in this series. They don't have a ton of great defensive personnel, so they at least need to be connected and on the same page on that side of the ball. That's what they really need to be hammering home in these practices leading up to the series. Like Offensively, the Sixers are more or less going to be fine. I don't have a ton of concerns overall. Like I have concerns, but they, they should be able to score enough to beat Toronto, but can they defend well enough? Can they handle the physicality? Those are the things I'm really concerned about, and they haven't really showed us that they can. So that's what they need to be working on. You guys make great points. I think Doc, what Doc Rivers will focus on is trying to get DeAndre Jordan into the seat. No, I'm joking, of course. Well, I hope I'm joking anyway. Um, obviously, this is a b-ball Paul series, but that's not the point. Um for now, I think it's obvious. We'll we'll see how obvious. Well, uh, you know, he said small teams. Toronto doesn't have anybody above six ten. Yeah. So, Doc but, said a lot of things though, Lucas. Yeah, yeah I know. A lie. It's just a lie. Oh, uh, don't. Uh, yeah, probably. Anyway, let me get back to as my soon point. As Paul picks up two fouls, he's never seen the court again. You know, he did play in that last Toronto game. That that's all I'm saying, and he picked up some quick fouls in that one too. Uh, that being said, yeah, I, I think you guys are right on the right path there. I think the biggest thing is, you know, in the past, Doc Rivers is, you know, like, Joel has to come out at this time. Like, and Brett Brown was guilty of this too, you know. You know, you, you're rigid to your rotations. But the thing is, rotations change, especially in the playoffs. Like, you got to go all in, especially against a team like Toronto that has, like, okay, I'm just going to say it. Toronto has a chance to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. Because I correct me if I'm wrong, we're on the Miami bracket, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that means we would, whoever wins our series, which we all hope is the Sixers, would face Miami. Are we saying that Miami's heavy favorites against us or the Raptors? I, I would say no. I don't know they're about not. heavy favorites, but I definitely think they're the favorites at this point. I, I think they, they would be favorited, but is it like, you know, 75 25 no it's like maybe 60 40 yeah so like my point is is that there's a real path for whoever comes out of this series could get to the eastern conference finals Mm -hmm. um and toronto has a real chance so do we but like i think doc just needs to go all in you know if you have to play joel and beat 44 minutes in this series per game you do it like same thing with tyrese maxi and james harden I don't think you would want 44 minutes of Tobias Harris based on past experiences in this matchup, but, you know, you can if you want to. Um, I think just identifying players that struggle and trying, you know, pull the cord out quicker, you know, maybe not B-Ball Paul, but, like, you know, if Shake is having an off night or if Cork Miles is having an off night, just pull the plug on it quicker. Just be – don't worry about rotations as much. So I guess that brings me to my next focus here is what do we expect Nick Nurse to focus on in this series? Jonathan, I'll go to you first. I mean, his main goal is containing Embiid. And as someone said earlier, like Embiid doesn't love playing against Toronto because of how they scheme against him. So I think just building on that and kind of being kind of surprising the Sixers and Embiid, that's got to be his focus. I mean, he's an incredible coach. Um and that's what I'm really nervous about because I think even though the Sixers are more talented, if Nurse outcoaches Doc by game plan scheme, the team that he has can can play and and beat the Sixers uh, in pure honesty. So I just want to see if he's going to um, challenge players like Harris and Maxie and Green to kind of start hitting shots early. And if they don't keep up with um, attacking and, and making it difficult for Embiid or if he kind of lets Embiid go off, I just – think he's just going to let it kind of flow um because he's kind of that coach yeah I, I i think that's a great point john um I, I mean i think toronto's biggest concern is probably like their half court scoring they like 
they're a team that likes to run, and they're best when they run. So they need to really focus on getting those turnovers defensively. Obviously, that part of that is game playing around and beat, bringing smart double teams, showing him different looks, making it hard for him to make reads. When you bring those double teams, like putting arms in his face, if you can get Embiid turning the ball over and out of rhythm, then the Sixers' offense is prone to falling apart pretty quickly, and they don't have the defensive chops to really keep track at that point. So I, I, I think that should be his focus. Like you said, John, I, I think you're dead on. Um, yeah, Nurse is just a much more adaptable head coach than Doc Rivers. We've seen it time and time again now. He has a championship, obviously, with Kawhi, but that's one of the guys who is widely accepted as like a top 5, 10 coach in the NBA. I don't think Doc is at this point. Um, so that that's a concern. I think Nick Nurse is more than capable of just straight up out coaching Doc Rivers by a wide margin. And this is a series that is probably going to be won on the margins. And if Toronto wins with the hustle and the coaching adjustments, like at a certain point it all adds up to a pretty concerning number for Philly. So this is going to be a series where there's a lot of pressure on Doc. Yeah, I think you guys make a lot of good points there on offense. I think you're right, Chris, that they need to figure out how they're going to attack Sixers in the half court because as much, you know, as much problems as the Sixers have guarding in transition, they're a pretty solid defensive team in the half court. You know, especially when Thibault's playing and Joel can anchor that that paint. It's really really hard to score on the Sixers in the half court. Uh off, defensively, you know, Crowding Joel, crowding Harden, and you know if you can, if you if I'm Nick Nurse, I'm trying to get everybody else besides Joel and Harden to beat me, because you know Tobias can't do it, Maxi probably can't do it though. We'll talk about Maxi, I'm sure, in this next segment after this. But yeah, I I, I would say if I'm Nick Nurse, make everybody else beat me besides Joel and beating James Harden. Let's talk about some key players who are going to make some noise in this series, John. Based on regular season and past playoff experience so far, which players from Philadelphia do we expect to have a big series? Yeah, so I think it's pretty obvious and kind of bland to just say Embiid, but I want to say it anyway because you got to think back and remember, the last time Embiid was playing the Raptors in the playoffs, we know it was that heartbreaking shot from Kawhi Leonard. You have those viral pictures of Embiid crying, walking off the court but like that is exactly what makes champions those moments you can't like you cannot substitute um losing experience in the postseason that just makes you stronger and a better player and there has to be huge revenge in Joel's mind whether he's going to say it or not but um I think that experience really has given him the opportunity to take over the series and just take his game to another level if that's even possible. I mean, from what we've seen so far in the regular season, um, I think he's going to just be otherworldly. But before you guys go, I just want to like bring up Maxi because he really needs to have a good series. I think that we've seen him play very well this entire regular season, but the one of the most recent big games, like the Nets game in Philly, he kind of shied away and was like a shell of himself. So seeing if he can maintain his top-level play is something I'm going to be looking for. Um, but for pure domination, I'm going to be. So you kind of stole my thunder with Maxi there. I, I think Maxi is the player that you definitely need to have break out in the series. And I told Uriah this in the past, and Justin Virgilio recently wrote about this too. Having Maxi as the primary perimeter you know, focus on offense is going to be key in this series. The, guys, did you know against the Raptors in four games this season, Maxi's averaged 19 points on 50% shooting from the floor and 40% shooting from deep. Those are just rough numbers. I don't remember the exact numbers. But, guys, with James Harden now, one of the best playmakers in the NBA, probably second best to Chris Paul, right? James Harden should be focused on feeding Maxi the ball. when If he's not feeding Joel, he's feeding Maxi. Like, that's – because Maxi – is the quickest guy on the court. I, I, I can say that in confidence. In this series, he's the quickest guy on the court. And he's the quickest guy most nights. And if you need what you need in, in the playoffs is somebody that can break down a defense in the half court 
And Maxi has to be that guy because that's going to get everybody else easier looks. That's that's who I think is going to be the player that has the big series here. I I would not. I'm not saying that he will, but I would I be surprised if Maxi's averaging like 22 to 24 points a game this series? Absolutely not. Am I saying that's going to happen? No, but I I, I would not be surprised if it did. Yeah, so I, I'm with both of you. I think this Embiid, again, this is by far his best NBA season so far. He's made so many improvements in so many ways. He's gotten better in areas that have held him back in the past. He's primed for a big series. The Raptors guard him very well, but they they don't have the size to match up with him physically. This should be a really dominant Embiid series if he can get going, and that's how the Sixers are going to win. The maxi point's an interesting one because on one hand, the dude just seems to show up for big moments and if anyone's like ready for this kind of stage it's probably him um he's more than capable of giving you 2024 night lucas I, I think that's distinctly possible um but again like you said john he has had some quieter nights too in these big matchups on national tv i again i think the raptors are going to really make him work defensively they're going to seek him out i i know that we all like his hustle and his athleticism but he's a 6-2 guard and he's had some pretty rough defensive games of late he's not can i can i can i make the counterpoint that he's not as if i'm the raptors i'd rather go after james harden defensively because we know james harden is not in the best of shape he's not healthy obviously and he's. Uh, I could make the case that Maxi's a better defender than Harden is right now. But, well, he just hasn't played like that lately, though. Like Maxi, Maxi's just way smaller than Harden. Like I, I think that's really what it comes down to. You can only be so good defensively when you're six two. I think that's kind of what's unique about Fred VanVleet. Like most of those guys at that height, just are really big liabilities. Van Vliet's one of the few that isn't. Like, like Maxi's just not like a defensive strength for Philadelphia. Toronto, again, plays some pretty big and long lineups. They're going to put length in front of Maxi on defense, and then they're going to go at him on offense. So it could be a really great Maxi series where he overcomes all that, and he steps up, and it's like his big coming out party, and we all accept that he's like a full-blown star. Or it could also be a big learning experience for a guy who's never played real minutes in the playoffs except for a few last season. Like, this is going to be his first real postseason test as a big-time player. And a lot of young guys don't really hold up well the first trip around the block. So I I don't want to, like, be a pessimistic person on the maxi front. I think he's more than capable of stepping up. He's proven that he can step up in big moments time and time again. But I there's also some reason for concern. I get your concern. I just, for me personally, I, I think that I just trust him. He's him and Joel are the two players I trust the most going into this series, which I know is kind of a a, a knock on Harden, but let's, let's be real. If you have the, is how do you trust Maxi to produce more than Harden right now? I do. So that's, that's, I mean, that's where Harden has been a significantly, He's been by far the six or second best player since he got here. Like I, I know the shooting's been down and he's but he's getting to the foul line a lot and he's just a world class creator for others. Like like Harden's not been playing that poorly. Harden's been a better player than Maxi. Uh so, let's see, in the month of August he shot I believe thirty three percent from the field and twenty percent from deep, Chris. I mean I, I it's, know. It's, it's, it's not. He's, he's been a better player than Maxi. Like like it's Ooh. Playmaking only gets with you that, so John? far. Like John, do you disagree with that? Like, has Harden not been the sixth or second best player since he's gotten here? Yeah, I agree. But that's not what I'm playing saying. some of the best basketball of his career because of Harden. That's like, not what I'm saying. I'm not saying that he hasn't been the second best player. I'm saying if I'm asking somebody to be a reliable offensive player on a night in and night out basis, right now I have more faith that Maxi can do that in terms of his scoring than Harden can. That is what I was saying earlier. I wasn't saying that Harden was not the second best player. I'm saying somebody that I trust to produce on a regular basis more often is Maxi in terms of Harden and then Harden in terms of scoring. 
you're right that Harden's a better overall player, and he has, despite the scoring, he has been better. But I'm saying in terms of what the Sixers need is somebody that can score next to Joel. And right now I can trust Maxi to do that a little bit more than Harden can. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's there's a case for it. I I don't I don't disagree necessarily on that front. Um, but this is again like the broader point is I I just think this is kind of a tricky series for Philly. Um, let's move to Toronto for a second, John. From their perspective, which players do you expect to have a big series? Toronto side, I'm saying Scotty Barnes. Uh, like Lucas was saying earlier, he's his rookie of the year. He's mine also. I mean, it's really close with. Evan Mobley, but I'm, I'm leaning Scotty Barnes. He's had an incredible impact on this team's success this year, plays aggressively on both ends of the floor, and I think he can cause some matchup problems on both ends for the Sixers, so that's Toronto. And Sixers, I, I'm thinking Danny Green, and honestly, when like I haven't been the biggest Danny Green fan, and I'm not the biggest Danny Green fan. I'm not sure. I, I don't know if you guys were saying earlier that he is going to start all the games because of the inconsistency of availability with Thibault. But either way, I just think Green needs to step up. He's kind of been on a steady decline on defense and the way he shoots in the past couple of years, except for that one outlier in 2019 when he was with Toronto. He shot a career-high 46% from three-point range. And then, I mean, just two weeks ago, he went he was six from seven. That's 86%. So I don't know if it's something in the water in Scotia Bank, but uh, I think in Toronto it brings out the best of Danny Green, and I think he could be a sleeper X-Factor. For the Sixers, my dark horse player is going to be Shake Milton. Because right now the Sixers have one of the worst benches in the league. But we saw in the last regular season, Shake Milton had a season high, what was it, 26 or 28 points, something like that, guys. I can't remember the exact number. But it was in the high 20s. Like, that's the Shake Milton that we saw under Brett Brown. That's the type – now, I'm not saying that he's going to go off for 20 against the Raptors. But if he can get you 10 to 15, guys, that's golden. That is golden. That is exactly what you need coming off the bench in this series. Uh, for Toronto, I, you know what? I'm going to go with Dark Horse here, and I'm going to say Gary Trent. Gary Trent Jr. has been an unsung hero for the Raptors. He's a scoring threat, and it doesn't really matter the matchup because he can pretty much score on anybody. He's built like a train, kind of like Van Vliet. They're both kind of smaller guards, but they're both really thick guys that can barrel through defense and they're both really good defensively too so yeah i'm gonna go with gary trent jr as my dark horse sleeper in that matchup yeah i i think that's fair for, from both of you i i i think Trevor Leeds gonna have a big series i know he's coming off an injury but that's a guy who has done really well against philly in the past the sixers just generally struggle with guards who can hit pull up jumpers out of the pick and roll like that you know we've seen the trey young We've been through all that stuff. Fred Van Vliet's not quite Trey Young, but that's a guy who's just going to bury the Sixers out of the pick and roll, it feels like, especially with Matisse not readily available every night. This could be a really big Fred Van Vliet series. Um, the Raptors have a lot of guys who are pretty talented and could go off, so that, that's a deep team. But I, I think Van Vliet's a guy who, you know, he made an all-star team. He doesn't normally get the, I don't think, the respect that he deserves. I don't think people talk about him as, like, the star kind of player that he is. So I, I, I think this is going to be a big series for him. And, and as far as the Sixers' dark horse, um, you know, I'm going to put on my optimist hat for three seconds and say, like, this could be a really big Paul Reed series. If oh, of course, of course. Yeah. Like, I, I don't. George, that's an athletic team. I think George might struggle. Danny might struggle against that athleticism. Shake doesn't have a ton of burst, but Paul Reed can get in there and muck things up, and that's what the Raptors do best. That's what the Sixers need more of. So if Doc actually lets Paul Reed play for like 8, 10, 12 minutes a night, even if he's picking up 5,000, 10 minutes, I don't, I don't care. This could be like a genuinely impactful Paul Reed series. Um, that might be a bit optimistic because in the end, the Sixers are probably going to get creamed whenever Joel steps off the floor. But I, I, it could be a Paul Reed series. So, I, I think that would be the smart move for Doc to make. It seems, based on what he said, if we're to actually trust him, that Paul will play this series because the Raptors don't have many big fives. And if it is a Paul Reed series, 
he's the kind of guy Philly needs in that spot. They need more of his defensive activity, his athleticism on the perimeter, inside, all that stuff. He can make the Raptors turn the ball over. He can muck things up, and that's what the Sixers need in this series. So I, I'm going to say Paul Reed for my dark horse. So I I shouldn't be surprised. I, I was surprised when you say it, but looking back, I'm not surprised. Chris, let me ask you this because you missed our last podcast. Um how happy were you against the when Paul Reed went off for twenty five against the Pistons? How happy were you? I know you were you were recording a, a a film that day, but like how how happy were you? Um, well, like you said, I I wasn't really plugged in to that specific uh, game, but looking back on it, I was I was quite pleased with anything Paul does well. Um, for those new listeners that don't know, Chris is the ultimate fanboy for Paul Reed. And he he is unashamed of that. Look, man, 25 points in 21 minutes, four steals, you can't, 12 and 14 from the field. You can't get any better. I don't know why Doc would even look at DeAndre at this point. That, that's beyond me, even if it's a quote-unquote big five. But, um, yeah, man, he's really good. And I think he should get the – minutes behind a beat in this series. I think everybody on earth thinks that. I think maybe even Doc thinks that at this point, which is a step in the right direction. So You won't admit it because he said, oh, this isn't the Paul Reed. We'll see. Yeah, Doc, Doc's like streak of condescending comments lately is kind of annoying. Um, yeah. It's, it's, can they're we going to play like, really well in LA next year, yeah. but um, we'll see. Yeah, can we just like, I know this isn't on the agenda, but this has been bothering me. Like, is it just me, or does does it feel like sometimes Doc Rivers treats the media kind of like crap? He does. This isn't the first time he he he's done something like this either, he's right? Super arrogant. Like we like complained all off season about Ben Simmons not looking in the mirror. Doc Doc does not look inward. Doc so does not admit his mistakes. Doc is just completely refuses to put the blame on himself. And I, but I also think it's. Like, I think he's kind of nervous because he realizes this may be the best team he's ever had. I mean, outside of maybe the Boston team that obviously won the championship, but he knows how much talent is on this team. And if he can't succeed with it, he knows that his job, that he's probably fired. So, I mean, maybe that is getting to him, causing him a lot of stress. But I agree. Like, it, it has been evident in the past couple of weeks how, like, testy he's been getting with the reporters. When he said what he said about Paul Reed. I had to listen to it two or three more times because it just didn't make sense to me that he would snap at, I guess it was Derek Bodner or someone who really was legitimately just trying to get a a straight answer. He wasn't trying to take jabs at Doc, I don't think. And then he said, oh, we're not going on a a Paul Reed victory tour. I'm trying to win a championship. That That's just very inappropriate. It kind of feels like he was taking a shot at Paul, too. Yeah, which is very strange. And then he has very, the, and then he has the temerity, guys. He has the temerity to in in the past. He's like, "Would you ask Pop that question?" Well, guess what, Doc? You don't have five championship rings. Pop does. So don't put yourself in that category. Yeah, and to like just like coach. to talk to him, like talk down to him, and and be like, "We're gonna take this really slow, so everyone understands." It's like that wasn't a completely valid question, and you are so off base by not just answering it. Yeah. I also remember during the pandemic year, one of the reporters, I think, was it? I think it was Harrison, Harrison Grimm. I think it was them. They were doing a post-game uh, presser, and Harris. it was all on Zoom. So Harrison was wearing his PJs, and Doc was like the most offended person ever because it was a late-night game. It was like 11 or 12 at night, and Harrison was in his PJs doing the Zoom thing, which I thought was a little, like, you don't need to worry about it. Like, I don't know. But that's just me. But speaking of Doc Rivers, let's go ahead and transition to our next point. Because, guys, I have a question. Out of these three people, who has the most pressure? Doc Rivers, Joel Embiid, or James Harden this postseason to win? Um, so contrary to what James Harden seems to think, the answer is absolutely him. Like, going out mm. there and saying he has no pressure and there's like he's not really worried about this at all, it, it's – it just seems like the most tone deaf thing ever. I mean, between Matisse's post game interview recently, Doc getting testy with reporters and Harden there, it's like we need a new PR person in the Sixers because 
like, I just don't understand how the answer is not James Harden. He choked in the only time he was in the NBA Finals with Oklahoma City. He had one of the worst series ever. Since then, when he was in Houston, they catered to his every need. I know there were some injuries around there, but they'd not advance far in Houston. And then he goes to Brooklyn with two of the best players on the earth who I know some, like, it's, they're prima donnas and, and all that, and he didn't really want to play there. But, I mean, he has had the talent, and he can't get to the promised land. And I just think for whatever reason, uh, if he like if he doesn't show up in this series, his legacy is just going to be – an incredible elite scorer, but someone he'll be known as someone who could just never get it done. Yeah. I, I yeah. think obviously we're all kind of ready to move on from doc rivers is the general feeling that I'm getting. I, yeah, I think there's a good chance doc loses his job this summer, but if he does, he's just going to get one somewhere else. Like I, I probably don't with the Lakers. Yeah. Probably with LeBron James and Anthony Davis quite possibly. So I, I don't really think docs like, legacy is in much danger he has a championship he was like on the list of the top 10 coaches ever like no, pretty much no matter what happens doc's legacy is kind of cemented at this point he could add to it but he's not going to take away too much from it in the long view probably this year so i i think it's james harden like you said john um i i don't think he quite deserves the reputation that he has like those houston teams were really really good and had golden state not been maybe the best team ever houston would probably have a, like a couple championships and we'd be having a different like some of that's just houston well. put was the only team that pushed golden state to seven games yeah. with durant so yeah. let's... Like, like that was literally houston was one of the best offensive teams ever put together so i i don't want to like paint it as he can't win at a high level um even his postseason numbers like compared to most stars are pretty great so um, but I mean, don't you like, but yeah, no, I like, he hasn't won yet. And if he doesn't win this year and if he looks as bad as, you know, is quite possible with how he's looked in, in certain matchups this year, people are going to talk about it and it's going to certainly have an effect on how people talk about his legacy overall. He, he'll end up being a Charles Barkley. That's people what have, will like, already kind of worked their way into like the Harden is a prima donna. He like. Alienates. I mean, thing, which is I mean, because he was in Houston for eight years before he asked for a trade, and then they made him show up for ten games. Like, like I don't think Harden's some like bad teammate who caused problems. And like the Kyrie thing, but, yeah, the guy causing that? problems in Brooklyn was Kyrie. Yeah, so, it was James. I, I like, don't I, think James yeah. really deserves the entire reputation that he kind of has going for him right now. I, I think they're pretty legitimate explanations for why he's at work like why his career resume looks like it does but okay but to touch on that houston point like yeah granted they played maybe one of the best teams ever assembled but lebron's team beat them in the championship and you could argue not no 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 no. we're talking the year that they took them to seven was the first year with kd and kd's team pretty much wiped the floor with LeBron's team that year. Gotcha. Okay. That, that yeah, that the year before, I don't think they matched up. I think they lost to some I think they they, they lost yeah. to the Thunder, right, Chris? I yeah. think that's what I happened. Mean, look, winning a championship is really hard and there's a lot of like variance and luck and circumstantial stuff that goes into it. Like that shouldn't be the only like deciding factor on a guy's legacy. Like Harden is one of the greatest offensive players we've ever seen, whether he wins a championship or not. But clearly, he's in a diminishing state right now. And if Philly doesn't win, there's going to be a lot of questions going into the offseason, especially if they don't win this series. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of pressure on James. Doc is kind of like a known quantity at this point. He's going to get a job somewhere else if he gets fired or if he decides to walk away or whatever. Joel, there's pressure on Joel for sure because he hasn't always shown up at the highest level in the playoffs. Especially if he wins the MVP. Yeah, well, he's probably not going to win MVP. Well, but uh, we don't know about that. We don't know about that. It's going to be. We don't know about that, but like, Jokic is going to win. Um, okay, Chris. Okay. I mean, it's not like Jokic or whatever. Like, I, I'm pretty sure, like, all indications point towards Jokic. I agree. With I don't Chris. know. Well, you got you get you got to hear a lot of people on is at least on ESPN saying that they voted for Joel. So yeah. we'll see what well, happens. ESPN only makes up like a handful of the balance you know okay well anyway my my other okay so let me just chime in so we can move on because i'm sure we're getting close to the time where your eyes like let's wrap it up so i'm gonna say james harden too but not for the reasons you guys said 
I mean, yes, those are all valid reasons that I'm not denying that. But here's the other thing, guys. If James Harden doesn't show up this postseason, he's not going to get his bag. Because we all know James Harden wants that $250 million extension. And let's be real. If he doesn't show up, let's think about this. There's nobody. There's no contender that can straight up sign for him in the offseason. And the other thing that we have to consider is this. I'm not saying that you shortchange Harden. You still give him a really nice contract, like maybe $25 million over, like per year over three years, something like that. You know, get him 80 to $90 million, maybe $100 million if you, if you're feeling a little frisky. But, like, you can still pay him a lot of money. But if he doesn't show up this postseason, there's no way he's going to get that max contract. And if he does find another team that's willing to do a sign-and-trade, Philly can butcher them for whatever they want to get James Harden. Uh, if he doesn't show up, yeah. he can also opt in. Yeah, I, I still think there's a strong chance. Because he was supposed to opt in when he got traded. They yeah. He'll do that. He could opt yeah, in. And he could opt in. And then that gives Philly another year to figure it out and James Harden to prove his worth or for Philly to find a trade partner willing to take him. Yeah. You know, whatever. Do we, do we really think Daryl is going to trade his, like, beloved you know what i mean i mean stranger <laughs> things have happened stranger things um, have happened. all right let's do series predictions john who's gonna win how many games sixers and seven so uh, a lot of what i've been hearing i mean on espn and kind of other media outlets is people kind of think sixers and six or or some of the hot takes are picking the raptors but sixers and six implies winning uh, the road game without Thibault, uh when Toronto's backs are against the wall. And I just don't think that's happening. Um, but in a close series, I mean, it always comes down to who has the best player. And theoretically, the Sixers have the best two if Harden can get his act together. So, um, but I'm not going to lie and say that I'm not nervous. I really, really think the series hinges on the first two games in Philly. I think if you're tied 1-1, if you split, um, going back to Toronto without Thibel, I think that's a really, really dangerous situation because you could just as easily go down 3-1 depending on how Harden and some of the other people are playing. So um, I'm picking Sixers and seven, but I'm really focused on the first two games of the series to kind of set the tone. Lucas? So I am going to be the pessimist here, and I'm going to say Toronto and six. No, actually, yeah, Toronto and six, yep. Yeah. What? I yeah. Yeah, and I, I outlined this on the last podcast. Guys, the Sixers are one and three against Toronto in the regular season. The one time they won, uh Watanabe was starting. And then on top of that, guys, like this is not a good Tobias matchup. James Harden struggled in this series too. Joel has not been like a world beater in this series. Tyrese Maxey's the only plug guy that's played up. And to be fair, most of the season Toronto's been injured. They're actually healthy now. And Nick Nurse is a heck of a lot better coach than Doc Rivers. I'm not trying to be pessimistic. I'm looking at this like, yes, Philly has two best players in this series, but Toronto has better depth. And you could argue that they have at least two, if not three, all-star caliber players if Ananobi actually gets back to full form. So, mm-hmm. I yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with Toronto in six. Yeah, so conventional wisdom would be the Sixers have the best player. They have a top 10 defense on the season. They have James Harden now. I, you normally shouldn't put too much stock into like regular season outcomes. I, Kyle Newbeck wrote a great piece where he basically was like, it's 60-40 in Philly's favor. And honestly, like in my head, I agree with that. I think that's fair. But you look at Toronto, on the margins, pretty much they have a more connected defense. They're versatile. Like you said, they, they just have a defense that can give James Harden a lot of problems, Tobias a lot of problems. I think they have the capacity of Maxi a lot of problems. I don't know how confident I am in anyone outside of Embiid showing up on a consistent basis. The Sixers bench, it doesn't matter as much in the playoffs, but the bench is just not good, and they don't have guys who consistently show up outside the top four guys. Toronto does. Like, Toronto... Like, do we honestly expect Harden to outplay Van Vliet or Siakam this series? I, I kind of don't. Like, Toronto might have the better second player, the best third best player, the better fourth best player, the better fifth. Like, Toronto's a really deep and talented team. So, 
Um, they've had just they've just had more time together. They have the better coach. I don't know how much I I, I trust Philly. Um, so I'm I'm gonna say Raptors in seven. It feels weird for the Sixers podcast to have two people say Raptors. Like again, I think sixty forty in Philly makes Philly's favor makes sense. The Sixers probably should be favorites, but I feel like since I've been covering the team, like the forty wins out more than the sixty with Philly. So that's kind of where my head's at. I'm just trying to set the bar low, so I'm pleasantly surprised. So I'm gonna say Raptors in seven. Because, like, all the negative energy around Doc and James, it, it's kind of building up. Like, it feels kind of like we're heading towards another, like, kind of cat- catastrophe here. Could be wrong. Sixers could win the East. Very possible. Joel, maybe the best player in the NBA this season. Like, like the path is there. They could win in five or six. If they play up to their potential, they should win this series. Let me bring back the positivity in this podcast. Let's Jonathan... Go. We're homers. We get it. We know the national media has an agenda against Philadelphia fans and the teams. We get it. But Jonathan and I are here to spread the positivity. I say Sixers and five. Bring it on. A couple of days ago, I'm like, you know, maybe maybe you can squeeze out a series win in six games and seven games. I'm like, you know what? The Toronto Raptors are not the 2016 uh, Cleveland Cavaliers or the 2017 golden state warriors what they're the fifth seed they're the fifth seed yes they have guys that can get up and down the court guys that can shoot but you know what but you know what the sixers have the two best players on the court and we don't have ben simmons as a liability with the hack of ben and him being afraid to shoot in the fourth quarter we got james harden he has a whole week of rest he's averaging like 12 assists a game in the past 20 games i i'm not afraid I'm not I'm not giving I'm not giving all this credit to a team that really is not that great of a team. They're a good team, but they they don't have the two best players on the Thank court. you. Thank you, Uriah. The best the best uh, person for one. Though, Philly, Sixers and five. Like a Let's great, go. great team since Let's go. Here. Let's go. Like the, we can the home I get it. We all want Philly to win, right? Obviously. I I get like the fan perspective. We all want Philly to win, but like objectively speaking, there's some really pretty real red flags with this team. And it's hard to win when you add a guy like James Harden mid season, even if he's playing well, like that's a big adjustment to make mid season. And just, they just haven't been connected on defense the way the Raptors have. I think there are real concerns there. This is a series that like if Harden doesn't show up as his reputation would suggest, as he's been playing this season, then the Sixers are going to be in real trouble. Chris, can I, I just think I, that. I, I, hang on, Jonathan. Let me add this other caveat, too. Guys, what's more likely? Philly can upset Toronto on their home court, or Toronto steals a game in Philly? We upset uh, them. We got Danny Green lights out in Scotiabank. Uh, we didn't win that game. Well, that's we didn't win that other, last game. Other reasons are because of that i think it's tougher it's tougher for sixers going to scotia because we won't have matisse i think that's gonna be a major factor yeah so that, but that, i still that, but i still think they can win in five i still think they can. i mm, i don't know you're right that's that's yeah i mean i'm not like as worried about matisse as other people but like if this is a series that's going to be one on the margins not having your normal fifth starter is a pretty big bummer for, for, you know for half the games so yeah, I, I, I just I can just see Toronto coming in into the first two games and sealing one of them. I just I don't think the Sixers are ready for that punch yet. I think the like, best like the Sixers most important people in the series are Joel and James. And I think the Raptors is legitimately Nick Nurse. Like it's not the players. It's him. And I think that the players determine it. And with, with us having the best two players on the court, I think that it will swing in our favor in the end. So- but that's the thing, though. Do you think James Harden is going to have a better series than Fred VanVleet or Pascal Siakam? See, that's – Are we yeah. confident in that happening? I'm not confident, I'm not, but I do think he will. Because VanVleet has had a better season than Harden, and so has Siakam. Like, straight up, they've been better than Harden this season. And he could step up. Obviously, Harden's peak form is way above those guys, but this has not been a peak season for James Harden. Like Lucas said, he's been struggling a lot from the field. Defenses that can switch big athletic bodies in front of him. 
have pretty much locked him down all season because you just can't get by guys. And the Raptors can switch one through five with a hey, lot Jonathan. of pretty long athletes. Chris is no. right. Chris is right. But listen, I recall last season that the Washington Wizards, they had two all-stars, right? They had, they had uh, Westbrook and Neal. And everyone's like, oh, we're so – like Sixers might not come out of this one. The Wizards, no they have one, a really great no, backcourt. No one thought the Wizards would win that series. No one thought that. <laughs> that's just a made-up – that's like make-believe land. That, no, yeah. that never happened. Wizards fans may have thought that, but no, I No, we had a Wizards guy on the podcast. He's like, Oh, that's right, we did. We did. No one in no one in the Wizards fan base thought they were going to win that Look, series. all I'm saying is they had a really good backcourt. And there are some people that thought the six, like Negadelphians, people thought, oh, the six is going to blow it. We beat them in five games. They were not a problem. And Toronto is not going to be a problem. It's going to be a tough matchup, but the Sixers are going to win in five. This is not the one eight. This is the four five matchup. Toronto is a legitimate team. Yeah, but there was four. They have been playing together for years now. They have a great head coach. The Sixers have been playing together for two months. They have a mediocre head coach who's full of himself and <laughs> is halfway out the door. I'll give you that. Harden is You're right. 30% <laughs> for a month. Maxi has never played on this stage. Tobias disappears every postseason. Even if Embiid goes like supernova, which he has never really done in the playoffs, even if he does, which I think he can, he's totally capable of it. He probably will, but there are real concerns. Like, I. I just I think when you say I four or five, should like, be the favorites. Like, I, I think logically Philly should be the favorites, but I just don't. Given my experience with this Sixers team and how they tend to perform in these moments, I my confidence kind of wavers because these are the like the Hawks series is a great example. They should have nah, won that series. Ben Simmons. Was Every matchup favored Philly, and we can like talk about Ben Simmons all we want. Harden has been shooting thirty percent for a month. Doc Rivers is Doc Rivers. And Toronto has the guys to defend all of Philly's best players. So I think there are concerns. I don't know. It's, Philly it's could win and make time. me look stupid. It's I maxi time, baby. It's we maxi time. It. Who's going to stop Tyrese Maxi? Come on. Let's go. I'm ready. Let's go, guys. I'm, By the way, I'm going to game I'm going to game one, guys. Yes, yes. Well, we yes, Ryan was able to snack some tickets. Very happy for you, bud. Uh I mean at the end of the day, yes, I hope the Sixers will win. There's a there's definitely a path for them to win. But based on recent evidence, that is why I am being a little bit pessimistic here okay. or realistic. Who wins game one? Sixers. I can't. I, I don't know. <laughs> Sixers. I don't know. They blow They yeah. blow them out. Yeah, it's Watch. a blowout. It's a blowout. They're going to blow Honestly, them out. God, guys, I think this is just me subconsciously trying to set the bar low so that I'm, I'm surprised, like pleasantly surprised. I'm trying <laughs> not to get my hopes up. That's Negadelphia. You're the I'm Negadelphia doing. people. I, it's not even that. Like, I, I'm admitting straight up, Philly should win this series. They have Joel Embiid. They should win this series. Chris is like MJ from Spider, the recent but Spider-Man. they should have won the Hawks series. They should have won that Boston series forever ago. They don't always show up in these moments. So, Doc Rivers, you know, I, I don't know, man. I, I'm i kind of worried. I'm trying to manage expectations here. So, I'm not heartbroken again. All right, let's go. We got right. our – Okay, okay. <laughs> we well, To be fair, me and Chris both hope that they win. We just – we're not predicting yeah, right now. Yeah, obviously, I don't want them to lose. I'm yeah. not, like, egging it on so that we yeah. – like take pitchforks to Doc Rivers' house like some weirdo. I obviously I want the Sixers to win the championship. I mean, your eye might take the pitchforks to Doc Rivers' house anyway. At this point, I might just do that. <laughs> but um, yeah, Chris, go okay. ahead and play style, man. Um, thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of the Sixers Sense Podcast. John, thank you for coming on again. We we love having you. So hopefully you can come on again in the near future. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, to all our listeners, please like, subscribe, and follow along if you can on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Audible, or at our website, thesixersense.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Sixersense. And we promise not to make you yawn like Lucas just did. We'll I'm sorry. My goodness. Hi. I'm watching. Uh, I have there's a problem. mute button, man. Hit that mute button next time. I'm <laughs> leaving that in. I'm distracted. Bye, everyone.
<laughs> hey, look, I'm going to be yawning when the Sixers are blowing out Toronto in the fourth quarter. So I, I everyone have so. a good I night. Pray, I, I hope you're right, Uriah. I, I really do. I, if they lose to the Raptors, I'm going to be in a bad place. But it's okay. Um, thanks, everyone. Sorry. We'll be back Sunday, I guess, to talk about uh, the game one that the Sixers may or may not win. So until then, <laughs> have a good week. Go Sixers. We all want the Sixers to win. This is a Sixers fan site podcast. Go Sixers. They're going to win. Go Sixers. Don't listen to me. Good night. Guilt is just dripping from your pores right now. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.